Uh, hi there, I'm I'm here with Paul Adams. Um, he's the managing director of Basilico. Is one of the roles he plays, but um, wears a lot of hats. I think from what I can see, um, we're gonna we're gonna dig into that. So, Paul, thanks so much for for coming on today. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be here. Okay, good. So, so so look, let let's let's start off. You know, let's start off with understanding um, what you do, what you've done, and and um, just just getting a bit of a background to 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 you and 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 business in general. Yeah, so Basilica itself has been going for twenty five years, founded in London by two British guys who loved pizza when they went to Italy and just couldn't get nice delivered pizza when they lived in London. That that was that was the idea of this. And finally, he went to a restaurant, couldn't get it delivered, so they set Basilica up. And it grew and grew, and that's fine. And it's got up to 11 stores now. Um, and then a few years ago, the owner, who's a, who's a very old friend of mine, uh, he sales weren't going great. It kind of plateaued. He wasn't quite sure what was happening. And after a couple of years of that, he asked me to come in. Now, my background's tech startup, um, advising government on how to spin out companies. I've taught startups. So... Although I had no food background and no franchise background, I had a, had a wide ranging business background. So we just thought it was that case of bring somebody else in who's got a completely new look on it. And I came in and I said, well, I think this is what's going wrong. Um, and I came up with a strategy to fix it. And he said, well, why don't you become the MD? Because basically the strategy won't happen properly unless the person thought of it implemented, which was good advice. So I became the MD three months before COVID hit. So that's interesting. So I've now been in this food business four years and I don't think I've seen what is a normal year. I'm not quite sure what a normal year is so far, but we have turned it around. It's finally profitable after 25 years of not really making any money. It is now finally profitable. So we're obviously doing something, uh, something right. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's great. So, so in terms of you know, in terms of franchise, it's really interesting you mentioned. So so Basilico is, is kind of your first entry really into working with a franchise business or franchise company. Um, you have so much experience in business in general. What 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 have you seen as the key differences in a franchise business versus just an independent or normal kind of mm. business, if you like? Yeah. Well, probably the, the key thing, if you start with the similarities first, which is business I I feel is ultimately all about people in some way. It's about your staff, it's about your customers. So everything in business really is about people. There's very few businesses which don't involve some sort of people. You're managing staff, you're managing customers. So what's consistent is that people are complicated and frankly a bit of a pain in the ass for most of the time, particularly staff. Um, there's just always something going on. And franchising is no different. The fact that we're legally franchisor and franchisee rather than employer and stuff. Doesn't actually matter. When someone's having personal problems and they're having issues, it affects their franchise as much as it affects their performance if they're an employee. So you have to think about people as a whole. What I think is is perhaps a bit different um, is that the franchisee is usually more motivated, requires less hands-on kind of because they've got the best of interest and makes it successful. But equally, the, the, the dark side of that is that their interests are not always aligned with your interests. And they don't necessarily always want to do what you want them to do. And in theory, I can order them to do whatever the hell I like. 
But in reality, unless they've mentally kind of bought into what I'm trying to get them to do, unless they understand that it's important, there's all sorts of ways to kind of passively resist or go slow and do things. So it comes back, I say it's more, more the what struck me more is the similarities than the differences, which is it's all about people, regardless of the legal framework, is trying to get people to buy into what you're trying to do and trying to lead them to change, particularly with what I've done with Basilica, which a lot of it has been about trying to change things that we've done to a new way of doing things. And, and, and you know, change management is always hard in any business, no matter what the legal structure is. Yeah, no, Paul, that's a, you know, that's a, that's an interesting take on it. I, and I, I don't know if I've always, yeah, looked at it that way, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting way to look at it. And, and really, you know, say, you says you say it comes down to people. I think you're absolutely right, and and it's the communication between two parties or multiple parties that that becomes the key to success. I think, um, and because just like an employ an employer can can misunderstand uh, employees or, or not understand employees, um, the same goes for a franchisor and and franchisees, and um, and and I, I think the key difference is a franchisee. It is a partner in in some sense of the word um in that they've they've signed a 5 10 15 year agreement um to to work with the franchisor and employees on a different kind of a contract and the motivations are different you're absolutely right um and it can be difficult to get rid of either one um and mm. it can be also difficult to make either one work effectively and, and and to me that all comes down to communication and so 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 paul in terms of you know in terms of that what what kind of structures um with basilico have you helped to put in place or implement to ensure that there is you know good communication clear communication between you know the franchisees and and the franchisor well one practical thing is just having more regular franchisee meetings where they all get around the table and talk to us because there's nothing replaces that face-to-face -face cry to an email all day, but that kind of face-to-face -face contact. And also me physically going in and seeing the stores myself. So I, I live in the Midlands, in England, but um, I spend every other week in London, all our stores are in London. And I just spend the whole week just going around visiting different stores and just getting a sense of it, speaking to them. <clears throat> so that. That's something we did more. We did we did it before I got involved, but we did more of it. I think the other thing I've put in place is more systems to understand who's performing and who's not performing. And basically that's better rating systems, not occasional mystery shops, but using rating systems from people like Deliveroo and using that as a benchmark to measure them by. And the reason I mentioned Deliveroo is on delivery, every order is rated. Every customer, when they come back into delivery, say, what did you think of the order? Which is a far better sample size than I can ever get by sending surveys myself. So even though it's only delivery, I know they make the same pizzas for delivery as direct, as Uber. So I'm using that, and I've structured that, and that's now built in the regular update. And I'll leave the table, showing who's doing well and who's doing not, because it it's very easy to get a bit complacent and think, well, I'm doing okay. But when you realize everyone else is at a higher rate than you, that comes through. Uh, we put in more monitoring of ingredients and making sure they're buying the right ingredients. So rather than sampling and spot checks, 
more systems to say, this is how many kilos of mozzarella you should have bought last month, and you didn't buy that many, so what's going on? So there's more structure, and what, what I've tried to do is make it less personal. So it's not me saying, I think you make terrible pizzas, and I don't like you. It's, this is your rating on delivery, and that's based on a thousand orders in the last couple of months, and they rate you this. And when you look at the reviews and they say what they didn't like, these three things just keep coming up again and again and again. So it's not me saying it, it's making the data talk. For it. And again, with the ingredients saying, well, I think you're, I think you're you know, cheating on ingredients or not using the right cheese. It's you bought this many kilos and according to the recipe, you should have used this many kilos and there's a difference. So what is it? So I think that's it. That's really important because that, I say makes it less antagonistic and makes it more we need to sit around and solve this problem. But I'm telling you it is a problem and we need to sit down and, and work together. So I think that's one one change I've tried to do. The other thing which I you know you'd have to ask the franchisee whether it's worked or not, but uh trying to give a sense of, of purpose and direction and doing something different rather than always being the same old, same old. I mean, I took over a business which had been going doing the same thing for 20 years. So uh, I've, I have described Silico as a 25-year-old startup because everything I'm doing is new for the first time. But I've got legacy systems like you wouldn't believe, like 20 years of doing things a certain way, which, you know, makes it hard because I can't just order things to happen. These things get implemented by human beings unless they buy into why we're doing them. Um, it won't happen. So those, I think, are the, a, a, a new look at it. And we can do things differently and better. But also the other thing I've tried to bring in is, is more systems to take the, the personality out of any tension. It's here are the stats. You can tell me the stats are wrong. It's going out the stats are wrong. These are the statistics. And we need to do something about it. So that's, that's what I've tried to do anyway. No, I think that's a uh, there's a great tip in there. I think for franchisors, Paul, especially in this sector, um, to 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 yeah, go go on the ratings that the customers give to to the franchisees and use that as the kind of a proxy to have meetings and conversations to help them improve their business. Um, I think uh, that that's a that, that's that's I think that's pretty sound advice there. And um, Paul, I wanted to I, I wanted to go back a little bit, and um, before you became involved with Basilico, which was your, as you say, your first kind of foray into into franchising, you know, directly, um, you've worked with a lot of startup companies, businesses, and 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 mm -hmm. from that, and you've been involved working with entrepreneurs, uh, that that whole entrepreneurial side of things. Um, what would you say in in working with all of those businesses prior? What do you think businesses need to have um, to be able to consider franchising as a growth strategy? Because there's lots of growth strategies, um, but but you know franchising now, um, and and if, if you just thinking back to all of your involvement, all these other kinds of businesses and business owners, what what are the key things that you think must be in place before they could take that step and actually go down that road of franchising their business? Um, I think, well, a, a couple of things. I mean, basically, they need to be very sure of their product. I think it's a mistake that, that startups make, um, which is trying to expand too fast. You know, we are, we're doing well, 
let's raise funding and expand into Europe. And the equivalent for franchises is, well, we've managed to do one store right, so let's now franchise. Because, yeah, we've got one store right. And the guy thinking, well, have we really got it right? Is there something special about this store? You know, so, so to be really solid before you go out is good advice to any startup. You might know what the expansion is. But one really good bit of business advice I, I uh, read um, was in the book called The E-Myth at least 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. was make yeah, your business like it's going to be franchised. In other words, systematize everything, have everything written down, even if it's just you, but, you know, and you're writing a memo to yourself as the marketing manager. You know, it's the idea that everything is systematized as if you're going to franchise because the very discipline of putting it all into systems is just good business sense anyway. So obviously that, even more if you genuinely are trying to go into franchising. If if what you've got is so special that it relies on a particular chef with a particular flair for doing what he's doing, you know, if it, it only works if you've got a really good customer service person or something. <clears throat> franchising might not be the route because this has to be something that will work with just average people. Yeah, everyone wants to hire the best, but you can never guarantee you're going to hire the best. So what you've got to do is create something that works with just normal people. That doesn't require flair. Because if it requires flair, franchising might not be the route. You, you might want to expand in a, in a different way. So it has to be really simple that an average person can make it run. Hopefully, hopefully you'll get better than average, but if it works okay with an average person, then it's going to fly with a better than average person. That would be my observation, obviously. And and Paul, knowing what you know now about franchising, um, if if you could have that, you know, if you could go back as your former self in all those years working with startups and and entrepreneurs and business owners, do you think that you would have introduced the concept of franchising to a lot more of them, um, knowing what you know now, or not? Um, I think for some of them, yeah, for some of the businesses it wasn't suitable. They were, you know, a SaaS product, a B2B product. It wouldn't necessarily work. But yeah, there's definitely businesses that uh, they're looking back. Franchising would have been, because I mean, there's a reason why franchising is so successful. It's a really good, when it works well, it's really good for expanding. I mean, you, you get access to money far quicker because you're putting in other people's credit ratings. They're all borrowing money to expand. It's a great business model for certain businesses and it's making sure that you've got the right business. What I would say is I don't even have to go back to before I joined. Now I have experienced franchising. There's things I'd do differently, even with my time as a syndicator, having now I've gone through it. Um, I mean, one is to recognize early on that someone isn't the right fit, that no matter how much you try, they are not going to buy into what you're doing. And if they're damaging the brand and not doing it right, you can give them a certain amount of leeway, but at a certain point, you need to let the person go, whether it's an employee or a franchisee, because if they're just not willing to do it, there's only so many times you can ask them to do it. And I think, in retrospect, I uh, held on a bit too long with some people that probably should have gone earlier. And I think maybe, um, now recognizing how franchises have to work i think that is 
it's a good thing to do, not just for the business as a whole, but actually it's good for the other franchisees. Not because, uh, you know, to encourage the others, I'm going to get rid of this guy. I mean, there's an element to that. But it's equally, it values that they, that what they're doing matters and doing it right matters. Because if you're in a, a group of franchisees and there's one or two who are just always doing it wrong, terrible ratings, never improve, don't seem to care, there's a temptation for you to ease up and just think, well, what does it matter? You know, they, they do nothing and they get left, left you know, the franchise or lets them get away with it. Um, but again, all this is, is applicable to managing staff and managing people who aren't from staff. So it comes back to my earlier point about it's all about people, no matter what they do, it's very much it's all about managing people and trying to get them to do what, what we need them yeah. to do. Yeah, and, and Paul, yeah, I, I guess what you're talking about there is is the right way to end a relationship and the right timing to end a relationship Relationship is. Um, and but what I also want to ask you is, is how do you choose to start or not start a relationship in the first place? And and let's 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 use Basilico as an example. So in a franchising context, because that's obviously a good way to avoid getting to the point where you need to end a relationship earlier than you had hoped. Um, and so so what kind of things have you put in place to try and find the right people in the first place? It's uh, we've, we've tried advertising, we've tried personal recommendations, we've done shows, all different approaches. What we find um, is the best indicator of, of someone going to be good is their background, what they've done before. And that's partly what they've done before, have they got a food background, but it's also just in whatever field of life they've been in, have they shown the kind of qualities you need to be able to you know put in the hours and grind away and, and grow something so i i do very uh, more than before I, I spend more time speaking to people to find out what their background is what they've done previously and like i said i'm not necessarily looking for have they made pizzas well, that's obviously great but what have you done what why do you want to do a franchise now because there's a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs who you know they, they they've got a job now i want to be my own boss so they buy a franchise but they don't realize just how much hard work it is to run your own business whether a franchise or anything all the pressures on you you're the boss you know if you don't make money that week then you don't get paid that's your problem and are they ready for that and if they are great you have to work with them but they need to recognize that it's a different sort of pressure to just being an employee so and that's working better we're, we're finding people who've actually kind of got what it takes and you know our ratings are improving all over the place it's, it's going well now so yeah that's that would be my my learning. okay no thanks thanks Paul. Uh, tell me so tell me about basilica what's the What's the vision for the UK? I mean, you're mostly based around the, the London, Greater London area. Um, what what are your expansion plans um, looking looking ahead? Yeah, so we've consciously decided we want to get London right first. We've created a, a suite of different uh, virtual pizza brands. And that was one of the things in this strategy I suggested to the owner a few years ago. Was it pizza is the perfect food to create a virtual brand because it's a uh, you can create any cuisine you can have traditional Italian you can have quirky you can have halal you can have meat you can have, you know whatever you want pizza 
has more combinations than basically any other fast food you can think of. There's only so many ways you can just do a burger. And what can you do? But, but you can completely change it. So one is to create virtual brands which appeal to different segments that we want to reach in. So one of the things we notice with Pacifica is we only reach a certain premium section of the market. So maybe we would do other things. And then we wanted to get the operations much slicker with what we already have, going back to this lesson I've learned about you know, running before you're ready. So we've been doing that, buffeted by COVID and then Ukraine war and then this process budget, so all these things degrading us, but we're now pretty much better. In terms of expanding, what we'd like to do, we think there's a, a gap in the pizza market for a premium, really nice delivered pizza that tastes like pizza you get and you don't hold it into it. And it's not in every town in the UK, but our shorthand is if it has an MS food hall or a waitrose, there's probably enough customers for our brand in that time. So we're never going to be nationalizing in every single town has one, but we would at some stage, I think, like to be in between 50 to 100 places. You know, I'm thinking about places like Bath, Bristol, places where there'd be enough of our sort of customers to, to sustain it franchise so that's the vision to be a, a national chain but in selected spots not a dominoes too far nowadays across the uk not that kind of level okay thanks thanks paul and, and anyone listening who might know someone will be interested in 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 looking at the the basilico model um what's where's the best place for them to find out a little bit more about it um so just obviously go to the basilico website itself there's a there's a there's a contact us button about franchising on there. But to be honest, I'd say the first thing is actually go into London uh, next time you're in London and order one of our pizzas. And if you bite into it and say, this is the nicest pizza I've ever had, then then you're in the right place. Because that's how I got involved. Because my friend asked me to get involved in that. I'd heard, you know, because we know each other, but I don't live in London, so I've never tasted the pizza. And he said, I'll go into London and try the pizza. And uh, my wife, who's a, a big foodie, loves Italy, speaks Italian. We go to Italy on holiday every year. Um, and she, we went together and we bought uh, the pizza. And um, she said, this is as good as they make in Italy, which to her was the highest praise you could ever give any food. So that would be my suggestion first. If anyone's interested, go into it and taste it. And if you think, this is the best pizza I've ever tasted, I'd like to be involved, then you're the sort of person we're looking for. Right. Well, Paul, you, I love pizza, right? So I, I used to live on the French, Italian, Swiss border in, in Chamonix. And we used to go through the tunnel to Italy, um, skiing and whatever. And um, we always grabbed pizza there. And the, and the pizza was like unbelievable and um, totally different to what you get in France or anywhere else. And, um, and, and you know, we make our own pizzas at home and, and things like that because we live quite rurally. And, we, you know, we do a pretty decent job, but but it's but we don't often go out and order pizza because we just we just don't find it's good enough and and um so i'm gonna next time i'm in london um which won't be too long away i'm gonna go and seek out a basilica and and do exactly what you've just suggested there paul so um yeah yeah, yeah i'll do yeah. that and i'll feedback I'll, I'll send you i'll send you a text and, and let you yeah, know <laughs> yeah i'll do that so uh, so paul just just lastly um what i wanted to to, to ask you um is what kind of 
what apart from the systemization of a business which i think is a really brilliant point to make whether you're going to franchise your business or whether you're not and what just just good business practice creates systemization around everything that you do um but over and above that what would you say to a a business owner that's listening to this They've got a successful business already, right? So they're not a, a true startup. Um, just they, they've had one, two, three years of training, and and they are at that point where they are profitable, they are successful, and they're looking to grow. And franchising is one of the options. What should their next steps be um, b- before actually going down that and starting that journey? I think I'd I'd analyze their own business. A lot. Uh, when I first got into Pacifica, we didn't know what percentage of our customers really were regular customers or not. Not not at a granular level. All we knew is did they have they bought before or not bought before. But that didn't tell us whether they were regulars. Just told us whether they bought twice or more. We didn't have an understanding of the demographic. So we discovered when I analysed that we sold to almost nobody with small children. And I think that's because our toppings are basically too fancy. And anyone who's got small kids knows that you know, it's going to be fun something. So there was a whole bunch of things we understood much better after initial. And even now, I'm just learning all the time you know, about what's the conversion rate from casual customers to regular customers. There's a whole bunch of things. Because I think if you understand that, you understand where you would naturally go to expand and, and how that will go. Because if you've got one story, you've only got a sample size of one about how you've done it. So you don't know if I translate that to another time, will that work? And what you don't want to do is get off to a bad start. I have advised the franchise which came from overseas to come to this country. And they told me the areas they're going to open in. And I said, for your brand, that will, that's appalling. It's just, it'll go so badly wrong. They ignored me. They set it up anyway, and it went badly wrong. Nothing wrong with the product, nothing particularly wrong with the area, but there was no fit between the two. So, yeah, I think if you've got a successful, you know, shop somewhere, a successful model, and this is really good, I want to expand now, really make sure you understand why you're doing well at the minute. Not just the pounds and the, and the sales, but understand who's your demographic here, and then make sure that when you do franchise, you're trying to replicate that success in a in an analytical way, rather than just uh, this. I think that time would be good for us because it's very easy to get those. You know, you drive down a high street, you look around, and say, "Yeah, this looks like my sort of time," and it's didn't tell anything about the demographic, the surrounding area, the customer. But you know, you need to to really understand what why yours is successful and then try and replicate that in other locations that would be my advice know yourself yeah great paul no, that's no that's a that, that's great that's great advice and their very last thing which is away from franchising I, I, i'm keen to understand goldfish ventures right what what is that what do you do what's that all about it's obviously different to franchising but t- tell me about that because I, I was just really interested in seeing seeing what you yeah, did this was a a business that I set up with uh, some guys I've met at Virgin uh, when I was working at Virgin. And it was to advise companies who wanted to set up new ventures how to do it. Because they're full of people who've never started a business. And 
I have seen multiple times how the skill set you need for one just does not translate to another. So it's a it's a kind of side consultancy business that you know when projects come up, it can be put under that banner or not. But it was it was come back to my knowledge of having worked for big organizations but also startups. I saw that there was a gap there in advising big companies. I mean, one of my jobs was head of commercial development, the environment agency, which is helping them spin out companies. Well, the environment agency is full of wonderful, dedicated people, but not one of them has ever really thought about starting their own business, I would say. So setting up a new business was just was very alien to them. And I, I've seen that now in multiple cases. So that was the idea that um, you would go in as advisors and help people start a business getting up and running and get them that first customer. Uh, and then, then it's more then it's more in their comfort zone of what it's a steady state thing that they know what to do with them. But getting that first customer, that's that's the tricky bit. Good. All right. Well, that's uh, I will I will follow with interest, Paul, um, at, at what uh, at what happens there. And um, well, listen, I mean, thanks so much for 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 coming on um, today. And uh, I yeah. hope to, I hope to bump into you in 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 a franchising sense and and uh, somewhere online or, or at an event or something or in the future. Yeah. So but but really appreciate your time for, for today, Paul. No problem. Enjoy the pizza when you finally get to London. I will. I promise you. I will. I will text you, and I'll let you know. So, all right. 